So listen up. Here's a story about a little guy who lives in the blue world. And all day and all night and everything he sees is just blue. Like him inside and outside. Blue is house with a blue little window and a blue Corvette. And everything is blue for him and himself. And I'm blue. <laughs> I think that's it. I lost it. Blue, you're bringing me back, man. That's, 80s? That's a throwback 80s. Uh, to that one. Yeah, yeah. Wait till I, I left uh, this morning. I asked my son who what I should sing. I told him I was like, and that's what he came on. up with. And and he was like, Dad, you know. And I'm like, what? Which one? And he goes, uh, uh, Blue Dabadi. And I was like, <laughs> I know what that is because he asked for it all the time in the car. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right, bud, this is for you. How does he like that song? How old is he? He's six years old. How does he know that? Well, because I introduced him to okay, it, and he old. loves all those techno. That's, I'll be honest, Jonathan. Nobody's ever done that one, man. That's actually that's a nice a, throwback. That's a nice throwback. <laughs> it's a fun throwback. It was that or an Elvis song, but uh, I didn't dare. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thank you. It's good to have you. Uh, I'm trying to figure out the connection again now, how I met you. Uh, that would have been through Kim. That's right, Kim. That's right, yeah. exactly. So Kim Pillar is actually the one that put us in touch with yeah. each other, and he's been a huge supporter of the show, and he's always uh, touching base and connecting me with to other people and getting things Great going. And, and I've always wanted to. We've had guys of your trade on the show, but you yeah. do a little bit different, more. We'll get into it. Yeah. But basically running cables, right? So it's like. That's right. What, what's the clear definition that you want to describe your. You know what? Um, you're not wrong in that our industry has a bit of an identity crisis. <laughs> so we can unpack that. But uh, uh, basically data com or like network cabling. Yes. Would be the most commonly described. You guys thing. make everything look organized. That is how we've branded ourselves. That's what we've uh, really established ourselves in the market as is that. Uh, 90% of the time, people look at data racks, network racks, and it is a big tangled mess of chaos of cables. And uh, and I was like, you know what? I can do that different. I can make it look really good. And uh, over the last five years where I've been really focused on developing the business, uh, I've found techniques that really set us apart in the, net, in the industry, and, and that's what we're trying to build. Nice, brain on that. Let me share the deets. Uh, I'm wearing all-temperature uh, heating. What is it again? All-temperature heating. I can't remember. I'm wearing his tee. Long sleeve. It's already getting way, uh, into the fall. Uh, we got Jonathan running here from Running Cables, and it's rum, runningcables.com, and you can reach them at 905-932-2253, and his email is jrunning at runningcables.com, and on IG and social media, everything is Running Cables, and I still find it very interesting that your last name is Running. That's right. What's the background of Running? Like, where's the... Where did that... Uh, oh, Good question. How far is it? Where, what part of the world does that come from? I I believe uh, uh, I'm a bit of a mutt. I think I uh, right. I think I'm English, Irish, Scottish, all mixed in. Um, there is a theory thrown around my family because running is super uncommon. You won't find it uh, yeah. uh, very easily. That uh, when the family got off the boat, however many generations back, <laughs> they ha it was running. And someone did a typo, and it turned it into running, running and yeah. it's been the family since. See, a little bit of history if going on. If anyone says, oh, I know a running, 
I'll be like, I want to meet them because they're probably family. <laughs> <laughs> There's not that many in the phone no, book, I guess. Huh? Not many. At that point, right? So I also, um, I just want to let everybody know that we're having a lot of, I guess, interesting conversations from a show that we did recently for uh, show number 414, 415, sorry, with Jonathan Durbano. And uh, just talking about wealth management and how it's connecting with the trades. Because as you know, you probably know this and... I think every tradesperson I've ever spoken to, that's the Achilles heel of the industry where they're, they're great on swinging the hammer. They're not so great on flipping the page, I guess, and trying to work their numbers and figure out their numbers and figure out if they're actually making money, how to build a business, how to continue to grow the business, how to network and how to, there's all that stuff. That's just such Absolutely. a huge void, right? So, um, well, we could talk a little bit about it, but yeah. I just like that Jonathan was on another Jonathan yeah. was on the show, and we were talking a lot about that. and And I'm going to be doing more of those shows because I think it's um, I think it's extremely important for the industry and for the tradespeople that are in the industry, especially yeah. the sole proprietors and the the guys, the mom and pops businesses. Yeah. Uh, a little different, I guess, if you're an employee working for a big corporation or union or what have mm-hmm. you, high rise and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, I guess you kind of get. Uh, a prerequisite kind of education with it. They they tell you where your money's being go- taken yeah. from or what have you. But when you start running your own business, you got to start navigating those waters. So um, I, I, I like that show a lot. I like all the feedback that's coming from that show. So it's really good. Awesome. But let's get started with you. And how long have you been in the, in the game of running cables here, man? Uh, I've been in the industry. I always jokingly say uh, since I was like 12. My father was in the telecom industry. He was a... Uh, one of the guys installing Nortel phone systems and uh, doing big PPX systems, things like that. So he had me pulling wire up in ceilings when I was really young on jobs, job sites. And, uh, um, and then I never actually expected to get into the industry. Um, it was something that I actually was planning to go into firefighting. And, uh, and my dad said, you know, you know more than I did when I started my company. Why don't you go start your own? And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a go. And uh, then, like we were just, you were just alluding to, uh, School of Hard Knocks about business and how many people don't know that side. You think, hey, I can do, I can do a technician stuff really good, and then you realize you have to become a business owner, which is like a different trade of its own. I think it should be the other way around, Jonathan. Wouldn't I it? really yeah. wish that most tradespeople would just tackle the business first. Yep. And do. Exactly. It's uh, it's so stereotypical, but that's that's probably why you're getting such great feedback because yeah. that can be unpacked. And my journey around that has been like the first five years. So I've I've been in business since 2012, 10 years ish or more. And uh, the first five years, I was probably like so many people out there on the tools, burning the candle at both Just ends. Go 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 go. go, go. go. That's it, get yeah. home and try to do quotes and invoices, thinking I'll eventually get ahead of it. And then you never really do. And uh, and I burnt myself out like twice in that five years. And then... Uh, what was it? Like the work was just coming in and you were just submitting yeah. invoices and you were just, I guess, fulfilling everything. And then you're realizing, holy cow, like the exactly. week is full. You wear all the hats and then you always do the pendulum. Most most uh, solopreneurs will know this pendulum where it's they don't have a lot of work. So they hustle like crazy to get the work. They get on the phone. They get... They get contacting people they stir up all the work they get super busy then they're super busy for a while and then uh but when you're fulfilling all the work you stop all your marketing game you start stop all your getting on the the calls and all of a sudden you get caught up and you're making a ton of money and then you're basing financial decisions off of how much money you're making and then because you weren't keeping up with the marketing then you down and you're like oh i gotta get hustling again to go 
And it's that up and down, up and down. It's like and you're uh, analyzing information from the past. That's right, yeah. For the present, that's really going to mess with the future, right? Exactly. And that's that wealth management side of the business that uh, is, you can easily get caught in not learning from those mistakes. And uh, that was definitely part of my journey. And, um, and I actually fell in love with business, which is why I never actually kept going with the firefighting is that I was like, you know what? I want to build this into something and, and grow this. And now we have 13 people, Oh wow! five trucks on the road. Wow. And, uh, you know, and you're I'm playing hooky today. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, this stuff is important. I love this. No, stuff. no, so it's totally, this it's is totally great. I appreciate you sharing. I, mm-hmm. I want to ask you, Jonathan, was there like, okay, I, I have limited knowledge about this whole networking. Yeah. You guys come in and I'm probably the guy at the back of the class. I'll just listen, but I don't absorb to be very honest. Yeah. I know, uh, you know, I can share some phrases that kind of make sense. And, yep. but I, you guys also evolve a lot faster than any other trade out there. Just the way it is, right? But yep. I mean, I know that back in my day when I got started, it was always when we started at Cat 3 and then we started discovering like regular to- telephone lines, Cat 3. Yep. But now I guess it's all Cat 6 now. And got I don't it. even know. I, now it's fiber. But I guess my question to you first off to get started, was there ever a Cat 1, Cat 2, or are we just starting at Cat 3? Great, great question. <laughs> um, I I don't know if there's a Cat 1 or Cat 2, but uh, I've been told that it, it's existed. Did um, it really? The The... The what is it, the black sheep? The one that you you can rarely find, but it does exist. And I've come across it once. Is Cat Four? Cat. It oh, exists because it right. goes Cat, cat Three, and then it kind of jumped yeah. to Cat Five, and yeah. then Five E, and then it went to Six, and now there's Six A. And don't get me started. There's a whole story of how all that developed. But um, so Six is the, the most common. Four? Cat Four was like the intermediate one that started getting produced and installed for like. I, I swear it can have been more than a year or two before it was like just outed and cat five came out. Who's regulating these cats? Uh, so there is a kind of a governing body, the TIA, EIA industry standards that okay. regulates kind of what those categories are and what specifications they need to meet. Um, but uh, that's, it's all based off of kind of what you need. And okay. it's all based off of like megahertz level thing, things like that. I always break it down for customers uh, what do you need? Are you going to be here for more than like 10 years? And then if they're, they're saying, uh, no, we'll probably be moving. It's like, you know what? Then get cat six. It's rated for one gig. When you talk about gigs, megahertz, and like instead of megahertz, you're talking like gigabit speed. Yeah. Everybody understands that. It's like, Oh, yep. well we get gigabit from the street from like bell. Great. Gig speed is great. All your computers talk a gig. Uh, but then the next step up is 10 gig. But no computers are actually designed to be able to communicate. So at it goes that from speed. one to ten. That's it. Just a huge. That's jump. how they. That's right. Do they There's do that on purpose to separate? You could. It's like it's kind of like creating more lanes of a highway. If okay. like you, if you install a ten-lane highway, you could potentially use all ten. But if for some reason they they nick cards or, or um, computers are able to communicate faster than one gigabit. Then what they'll do is, uh, let's just say it's two gig. If you still have that ten lane highway, you can still use that bandwidth. Uh, but if you got something that's only, you know, designed for one and that's its max, then you're you're kind of limited. But most of the time, with uh, as long as terminations are done right, and this is the whole thing about the industry is that because it's kind of no one really knows because it's developed so new and so fast. Uh, if it's not done by professionals. You're, you're turning your 10-lane highway 
into one and a half. So you're paying for it, but you're you're not good if it's not terminated properly. Terminated just being like hey, totally the connectors understand. going on. Yeah, if yeah. it's not terminated properly, it's uh, it ain't gonna work. That's where uh, I tried it way speed. way back in the day, and I was like, I'm I'm done with it. You almost have to be a magician to. It's I know you guys know it because yeah. it's your industry, it's, right? Uh, but yeah, it's challenging, right? So, and I agree with you, but it's kind of funny how I guess some clients will save cost on the termination end, yeah, get you to do the heavy lifting, so to speak, run all the wiring that you need, yeah. But then try to save the the numbers on the most important detail. Termination side, because I saw a YouTube video, uh, and it's it's just where we're at right now. And I hopefully that's partly what I want to influence the industry a bit is education on where this industry is at, what's yeah. needed regulation wise, or what's needed even just a standard so that customers, the buyers, are going. I don't want to just have anybody install it. I want to have a professional who knows what they're doing. Um, even testing. Back in the day, I think it all comes from like the telecom days where connectivity was just, if it's connected on both ends, it works. It was telecom, right? You just needed like two pairs. Yeah. Everything kind of operated just on now. single copper that wasn't heavily needed to be twisted or anything fancy. Um, but as soon as the speeds go up, it changes the need for it to be done properly and testing to be done properly. So there's all, everyone, uh, at least uh, a lot of people in the industry who are just like, I can run cable. Let me just do that. They'll have like something called a continuity tester. And then they'll have a little light that goes off on each side that says the pins are connected correctly. That's great, but you're not testing it for any speed parameters. So you're not actually testing that you actually did the termination properly. So uh, that's where testing is critical. And that's an easy way for anybody. If, if you are purchasing, if you're a consumer purchasing any of these services, you can say, what kind of tester do you have? That's a great question to ask them. Mm. And if they don't say anything that's a qualification or certification tester, probably not a professional in the industry. It's probably someone who is hustling to make some money and get into an industry and they figured I can pull cable. And then when they fly by night, when they get calls to come back because they're not getting the connectivity and the testing and the speed, uh, the number you reach is not in service. That kind of mentality where they don't it come back. It does happen. It does. And it we does, get a right? lot of calls that way. Um, but we find, at least on the sales side, you think about the marketing sales side, uh, you have such a large range. And, and this, I think, um, you had a roundtable of, of electricians, and yeah. they talked about this as well. Yeah. It's like there's so many industries that have very standardized pricing, but for electricians and datacom, it's like you, you have such a large range. You're going to have the guy off Kijiji who's like, you know, a third of the price, and then you're going to have middle range, and then you're going to have high end, and it's like there's just such a span. So why are clients so sucked into that Kijiji Bermuda Triangle where they just honestly like this isn't are we in the right line are we like this this is too good to be true why is this number so low compared to these other professional outfits that have been around quite a bit mm -hmm. and have like a certain standard on line regarding their work and their scope um why are they so cheap we should go with the really cheap ones that makes no sense why do clients do that all the time and you're talking about yeah. clients that you deal with that are professionals yeah. So this is for their office, their environment. Yeah, like it's right. just nothing's more frustrating. And I'll go simple when you're having a phone call and you're talking about a potential sales lead and you're getting drop calls and that's just a call. Yeah. So now if you start talking about your uploading or you want to do a, 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 a whatever your zoom call, Google meets or all that kind of crap. And now you're getting frozen action. You get like, that, why do you want to mess with that? Like, I don't understand exactly. as a business owner. Why do you want to, I guess because they have a, they have a budget and they don't want to go over that budget. We are forgotten a lot. And so that's part of Last the issue. Minute. Yeah, we're everyone knows your standard traits. It's like, and and a lot of times we 
I would say most of the time we don't even actually work through GCs. We actually are work the client is client. Wow. And that's kind of why we have an identity crisis. It's like, yeah. who are we associated with? And the answer is kind of a lot of other, a lot of people we got, uh, you know, GCs do, but it will be most of the time. it would be huge infrastructure. You're talking building like sky dome, you're building hospitals, those things like that, a lot of those big, big projects, they're going to put the data comm section, and it is under the electrical section, yeah. the inspect documents. Yeah. Wire, uh, wire. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times that's where we would get con- contacted to bid on a project through them. Uh, but the majority of our work, I'm going to say 98 at least percent of our work, comes directly from the, if it's a large customer, They'll have either an IT staff, an IT yep. administrator, or something like that. They will reach out and find a datacom cabling company to do the cabling portion for their IT infrastructure that they're going to install. Jonathan, am I not wrong to say, okay, I get the sense and I understand where they're coming from. I get the sense that you're being treated like painters. It's like an afterthought at the very end, yeah. just fix everything, make it work. Mm-hmm. But is there not proper procedure regarding running your cables, navigating through other mechanical systems of a structure, especially yeah. when it comes to industrial and commercial structures? Let's not just talk about home residential here. Like there's, you, you can't run parallel to electrical. Like there's rules on frequencies and all this other stuff that if you're not aware of it, fly by night Kijiji boys and girls, you'll create more problems than solve. It's, it's true. It, it does happen, especially with, um, another common question is, you know, with the advancement of Wi-Fi and that kind of taking over, is it going to make your industry disappear? Actually, if anything, we've actually added more cables because yeah. uh, now we're running one or two to every what's called an access point, which is your basically Wi-Fi repeater. And every building is going to have a ton of them. Every commercial building, pardon me, is going to have lots of them. And that's going to be emitting Wi-Fi. Uh, and, you know, you may get away with uh, it not being done properly for a hard connection to your computer, it's like, yeah, it's good enough. Gets, you know, there's no loss of data loss. That's too bad that you're going to notice. But you do that when you have 100 people on their phones on Wi-Fi. Yeah. And your cable's the main backbone for that connection. You're going to not want any packet loss. You're going to want to make sure that things are working properly. So the only way you're going to know that is through, like, a proper certification test result. And that's what you guys offer. Yeah. It's part of your pricing model, right? Yeah but it's also pricing you out of the Kijiji game. It does, yeah. Yeah, that uh, your customer has to be looking for... They need to at least understand the dialogue. Exactly. Bigger companies, they've been getting low-voltage engineers brought in, which is great. They call them RCDDs. Uh, Those guys are... There's an organization called Bixie. They are really the leading edge of, like, most standardization and training and things like that. But you can get your low-voltage engineer license and... Those are the guys who normally get brought in as consultants to create the spec document that all the cabling needs to be done for this building. And then they'll kind of be the parent to make sure that everything goes to plan and everything is... Well, they're creating a Bible, budget. right? And that's being exactly. given to the GCs, I guess. And I guess the electricians are made aware mm-hmm. of this? Yeah, uh, I, most of the time, from what I understand. And okay. that's... We actually love that because they're not going to make... They're going to make sure it's done right. So for a company who cares about doing good quality work and making sure... Uh, you know, everything is done to spec is that's great because then there there's, it means it weans out everybody else, which is, I think one thing that the industry could really improve on is if we had some form of regulation uh, that would definitely help. 
I'm going to just say good luck. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I think a while back they tried. Did they uh, try? They, yeah. They, yeah, they try to create some form, but uh, it's it's a challenging thing to implement and get, you know, who's going to regulate it. And then I'm just thinking future proofing. Like this is my mindset when we start talking about this networking, these running cables and everything like that. They don't like you guys don't install them and that's it. It's you're good for the next century. It doesn't work like that. Like you need to upgrade and you need access at that. You need to get good. Yeah, like, you have to. Right. So all of a sudden now you you can't just be burying all these things or wrapping these things around in certain areas of, of structures. That doesn't make any sense. Right. So you have to think about. But I guess it's short sightedness. It goes back to we're only going to be here. Let's say our office is going to be for five years and then we're going to be expanding. We're going into another office. So we'll deal with the cables at that point mm -hmm. for that. But that doesn't how, how it should be. Right. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, it is uh, the nature of it. I mean, in, in many senses, if they're going to be around, like they're building a huge building, they're going to be there for a long time. Think about like a hospital or a retirement home. It's like, they're not moving. Then in that case, future-proofing is a smart idea. Let's make sure you're future-proofed. And uh, But otherwise, I always say, save the money. You know it's all going to get ripped out. That's part of the construction. It's like they're going to demo this in five years when you move offices, mm -hmm. and a new company is going to do all new electric, electrical plumbing. They're all going to come in and do it anyways. Don't spend the extra money to future-proof that. Do it right. But if it's a bigger building, that's that's all the talk. Fiber optic work, how much is that going to be? And it's always a guess, too. Where is technology going to be in 5, 10, 15 years? It's hard to say. Fiber is a big push right now. That's what I figure. But, I mean, okay, so is it working? It is. Uh, entry is a bit of the challenge um, because... I had actually, we have a residential division as well. We do okay. residential, like finished homes, not uh, not under construction, but finished homes. And we had a few customers say, you know, we want, I want fiber in every room of my house to wire up. And I always challenge them first just to make sure that they actually know what they're asking for. It's like, absolutely, we can do that. But how are you going to connect your computer to it? And now you have to have like a $100 piece of, that's going to transmit it to an Ethernet cable so you can plug a computer or workstation or gaming computer or whatever it is the main purpose that they, they want that. Okay. So not only are you paying a lot for the infrastructure, until technology gets to the point where you can plug a fiber optic cable into a computer or you a device, not a lot of devices have the ability to receive uh, fiber okay. optic um, you can install that. I know we did uh, some that had editing studios and they wanted to have all their footage on a main server for their editing suite. And they wanted to have like, I mean, because fiber, everything goes at the speed of light. That's the cool part about fiber optic work is it's lasers being shot over glass. So the speed really comes down to how fast your computer can process light. Wow. So that's kind of the cool part is that there's no real limitations to it. Uh, even distance wise, that's where all the infrastructure in the streets are, have gone to. You can go tons and tons of kilometers before so are you the have municipalities actually doing that they're actually setting up all the fiber lines right now oh yeah oh yeah that's where uh, bell five even yeah. though they played off the word to educate people that they're putting fiber in the streets um a lot of times actually you're not actually going to get fiber into your home sometimes you are which is great but not all um but still bell five uh but that's what they're doing is all infrastructure basically underground or on telephone lines is, is just fiber optic. You think about the lower line. Most people don't even know this, but if you're driving down the street, that lowest line on uh, the telephone poles, that's all fiber. That's all fiber. Yeah. 
in the Toronto affirmation because they're the only yeah. ones that are still going above ground, right? That's right, yeah. Everybody else, I guess, and I don't know how it is uh, across the country, but I just I know Toronto is just famous for having everything above. Yeah, definitely don't uh, come across as an expert on this. Is just what I know yeah, from yeah, the I know industry, but seen, I believe right? a lot of depending on what the infrastructure design is of that municipality when they're building it, they may put that infrastructure underground. But it's always burial or aerial uh, fiber. Aerial, aerial. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so talking to all the drywall delivery guys when they're hoisting the drywall sheets into the, yeah. the new construction or the renovation project, uh, the first cable you're ripping apart is uh, the fiber cable, and that's what you're doing. Yeah, if you're going up the line, I mean, <laughs> before you, you touch high, high voltage, <laughs> yeah, and then you go from you, there, right? And then, then nobody knows what they're talking about because they'll, they'll all be dead. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be all like, it's done. And, and, and I'm, okay, I wanted to ask you, why is Canada such an expensive playground when it comes to this network? It just feels like... Canada is more expensive than other parts of the world. Like, I don't understand. Are, is there just a monopoly between whoever's pr providing this service or I guess all that infrastructure from Bell mm -hmm. and the losses that they took once they put all the infrastructure for Cat3 for a regular telephone line and then all of a sudden everything got converted into VoIP systems. So now you started going with the internet right. at that yeah. point in the 90s and they couldn't use that system. So I'm just trying to figure out why are we so expensive here? Do you, know, do you have any insight on that? Since 1991, Mississauga Hardware Center's MHCI, or Saga Tools as the cool kids call it, has been a trusted name in the construction supply industry, serving the greater Toronto area as a family-founded, owned, and operated company. They take pride in their reputation as one of the most respected construction supply providers in the GTA. At MHCI, they stand out for their commitment to fast and efficient service. Their team of friendly, courteous, and knowledgeable staff is available to assist you with any questions you may have. They understand the importance of product knowledge and strive to provide an unsurpassed level of expertise to their valued customers. They take pride in their ability to purchase large volumes of products directly from manufacturers worldwide. This enables them to pass on substantial savings to their customers. Whether you're embarking on a do-it-yourself project, constructing a multi-million dollar building, or involved in city infrastructure development. Their products and prices remain highly competitive within the industry. Order online at www.mississaugahardware.com or better yet, go and visit them in person and always check out what's happening on their social at Mississauga Hardware Center with C-E-N-T-R-E. Uh, as for like... Just the infrastructure alone, not, not your okay. cost, not your, you know, you're, you're providing, I guess, because you have to tap into their... Their, their network, so their like network, their network yeah. and stuff. I think that's more of a, almost an economic question because, you know, cell phone rates, all that stuff is through the roof here in Canada. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's just a monopolized kind of organization. There's only three guys yeah. competing, so we can keep our prices here. Uh, I think that might be a bit of the play. I agree There's with no you. government yeah, totally, regulation yeah. to like pull it back down. I, that might be the case, but I don't want to speak yeah. for it. I don't actually know. But we do pay a lot, don't we? <laughs> we do pay a lot for it. And I guess it's the convenience of having all that um, downloading capability, streaming capability. Yeah. But then as a business owner, it's really critical at that point. It's funny that you brought up the whole editing suites and how, yeah, I mean, like they want to upload that stuff, that content, download that stuff from mm -hmm. servers as quickly as possible. Because literally you have someone sitting there, you're paying them by the hour to sit there to watch grass grow. Well, In this case, times, yeah. transfer times. If you have all the footage from just say a whole video production crew yeah videos everything they put it on the main server because they want to have it centralized they have three four main editors in their editing suites they'll want the load time to pull that data over to their computer to scrub it and edit it they're going to want to have that 
lightning fast. So they'll put the fastest, they call them NIC cards. Basically, it's like just uh, the part of the computer that receives the internet. Uh, they'll put fiber optic modules in there so that they can just go directly to the server and it's, it's as fast as the computer can send it. So I'd, I'd love, Jonathan, for you to give us, I know that you mentioned that you do some residential stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to go with the, I guess, the simplest way that your home should be done. But I, lo- yeah. I know a lot of clients these days are all asking for Wi-Fi access points and just they want everything. That's right. But now you're just swimming in a sea of, of signal going on, which is a good and bad thing. As some, yeah. It depends on what, who, what kind of family you are. But then you get into, I guess, more of an extreme setting like these suites and, and you get business communications where you got multiple floors and multiple workstations and all kinds yeah. of stuff like that. It, is it just literally... a a multiplication point at that where it's like you got a homeowner, you set up this, and then now you're just doing it 10 times, 20 times for these networking systems and buildings, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is such a an expertise on the IT infrastructure side. Uh, we actually don't play in the IT space at all. That's actually okay. one of the models that we've developed is um, we realize that we want to be the best of the world at what we do. And if we're going to be helping the IT side of things, we can't say we're going to be the best in the world at ABC IT stuff. So we said, you know what, let's build a whole model to not compete with them at all and to be their best friend. Because most IT companies love being the brains and behind the keyboards. We'll be the, we'll be the boots on the ground. We're going to be the guys who will get the job done up on ladders, build the roads for your cars. Got it. So that's kind of our whole model when it comes to that whole science of, of IT infrastructure. Um, we, you know, we, uh, I heard an expression, you have to kind of be like hockey players. You come in in the suit, you know, but when you get there, you throw your pads on, you yeah. got to work hard. Yeah. And it's like, you got to look good. So we, we play, I say, you're kind of sandwiched between the construction world and IT world. You want to walk and talk like an IT guy, because you got to know your stuff you to getting, know what you're yeah. doing. But then you also need to know how to handle yourself on a construction site. Amongst hardworking guys, and you had to work hard. You yeah. have to know how to work hard. So that's kind of, uh, when it comes to IT infrastructure, I would say when you get to those multiplication sides of how it scales and the design of it all, um, that would be where the IT guys would really be specialized to design that infrastructure. And then I guess you get into the world of where you're feeding cables during different process of the construction industry. The stage of the the structure itself. And there's obviously going to be a potential risk that something might get cut, damaged, or what have you. And then is it an easy fix at that point? Or is it just become microscopic kind of work trying to figure this out? Are you running new lines at that point? That is one thing that this industry has in a disadvantage just because of the design. Um, that, uh, That electrical contractors have. I can't tap into the closest junction box. Everything is a home run back to a single point. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> it just, so it means uh, it's a lot more laborsome wow. if post-construction, everything's done, and they go, you know what? I do want an extra network port in this room. And it's like, you don't know what you're asking, but okay, because it's going to cost, you know, $1,000 now. So your mind's like... When it would have just cost you $100 Jesus at the eight. time. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out the best path and then exactly and you're getting up in the ceilings and uh, in residential that's cuts right yeah you're making holes it doesn't matter exactly. how you slice it and we do we, we do that all the time in the residential side 
that's one thing that we're trying to see because developers right now, and we want to build more relationship with developers. That's where we're trying to push into this year is uh, so many homes are being built. Government's trying to help the housing crisis. And, uh, but so many homes are still being installed with maybe a cat 5e cable in the odd room. But most of the time it's not, unless it's a high end home that already has that specified. It's like, why not throw at least a cable into the, every living room in the ceiling so you can put an access point it's because you're most likely, because I know the data, yeah. I've seen how many people are calling us saying, we want to improve our Wi-Fi. It's not good in this house. And they're like, okay. And then, you know, they already looked it up and they want to install access points and, but the infrastructure is not there. So we're, we're pulling that in. So but we're not talking about big dollars here when you're building, let's when you're just, building it, it's so an average home, a million dollars. And all of a sudden now you added, I guess, the electrical. Now, would this be something that you would probably encourage electricians to offer to the GCs of the projects going, listen, I can bring you guys yeah. in. They can throw these cables in for future proofing. So then when you sell it, yep. you can have a conversation with your potential client that's considering buying your pre-construction yeah, project great. and go, by the way, we're going to have access points on every single floor because we know in the future you guys are going to probably use it. That's it's part of the price. Absolutely. Which makes and, a lot of sense to and me. And they may, may actually be getting a lot of that if if it was specified. And I don't know all the de developers and their plans on, uh, on that. Electricians may rough it in. We have on our website is one of our services we offer on the residential side of things is uh, a termination service because there's a, there was a whole development I came across one day where they asked us, can you come in? We have all these cables in most rooms, but they're just a cable just hanging out of the wall. Yeah, it's a little and, and I just bought my home, just moved in. I'm looking at it and going, why is this here? There's no cover plate on it or anything like that. Can you put connectors on it and like make it a faceplate so I can use it if I want to? Absolutely. So we came in and did that. And I, then he was like, you know, I know everyone down my street right now, all the homes look the exact same. They all have that cable hanging out and i'm like okay here's my card here's my card <laughs> makes sense so now we have a termination service because maybe yeah, they got a package through maybe some provider or maybe the electrician can you put cat 5e cable in all the rooms sure part of the floor plan they built it they put it in but then it's just hanging there and it all comes back into the basement and just hangs there and it can't be used unless it's terminated so that's kind of the signs of it. Would they pay for it? If Would they pay for the termination service or any of the technical service on the front end? Or is that more of uh, something that maybe can be offered? Is it like package? most clients are looking at it like, I'll deal with it when it's a problem later on. But the moment you move into your structure, your home or your office, whatever, it's a problem as soon as you moved in. It, it, I mean, it was it an eyesore. They yeah. walk in, they see a, a hole in the wall with a, a cable hanging out which they could have put a blank cover plate to cover it. And then it'd be like, well, it's there if you want it. Um, you can always access it, get to it. Yeah. And access if they want. But at least for that, that one neighborhood that we came to. Yeah, it was all just That made up. a lot of sense nice because or. it was the same yeah. home, of course, man. So I, I'm just trying to think of what I've been taught is that wherever you want a, an item, let's say just for argument's sake, whether you're going to be plugging in a laptop or you're going to be having an Alexa home or something like that mm -hmm. or TV speakers, what have you, you're just doing a home run from that point right to a source. And then you have a direct run at that point. That way, if you have it in the future, so anybody who's it's renovating you and you're doing custom rentals, offer it to your client going, listen, if you want, now is the cheapest time. Yes. The best time. Yep. 
we can run these things nice and cleanly. Everything's open. We'll make them nice. We'll get to all your points. We'll put one into every single room. We'll put it into the attic. We'll put it into whatever you're planning in the future, whether it's going to be a games room, TV, theater, what have you, sure. whatever it is, and then bring it back to the source, which generally is around the panel, and you leave it there. Now you have it. Then deal with the terminations later on. But at least yeah. now you have it, and as you start decorating and setting up your home or your office, call you guys in to take care of the terminations. From Absolutely. There. And if you have any strategies on how to best position ourselves, that's exactly what we would love to do. I think do, it's a conversation. Be that first I, call. Yeah, I think you, I think you got to have a conversation with the GCs mm. and then get them to, I mean, in today's digital age, it's, it's ironic that they're using SketchUp and they're using 3D modeling yeah. and they're selling their work on these digital platforms. They're taking an iPad or what yeah. have you and then showing it that way. But then it's an afterthought when it comes to you guys about running all these cables. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it is just... Part of the industry being so young, it's like an awareness thing. It's like people don't know what they need until they, they need it. It's like, you know, they move in. Two weeks later, they're trying to work from home in their bedroom, and they're going, I don't have great Wi-Fi. Or they have a son. You'll be surprised how many get these uh, people gamers. Yeah. They have a gaming computer. Yeah, That, for sure, needs to be hardwired. And they'll, they'll move heaven and earth to make sure it's hardwired because always about speed for the latency yeah, 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 yeah so but until it's an issue until it, you know there's a squeaky wheel normally it's not really thought about so if you get the cabling in early it's cheap and it makes sense to me man yeah it's like we've always done that and i've actually contributed in helping running these cables and it's such a pain to get it <laughs> in certain nicks even when it's like kind of already framed and you've got your your highway so to speak where yeah. you can run everything properly exactly. and you're Stay conscious of staying like away that. from electrical lines conscious from staying away from other sources and just running everything nice and clean and not pinching and not pulling tightly it's just like i've been there i've done all that stuff and it makes sense and i'm thinking okay now i'm happy because i know what the capability is of the future mm -hmm. where the homeowners can go well i want to do this i want to do this now and things change right so things you got to understand that right what is it like jonathan what is it that i've always been told concrete is such an enemy because it's Wi-Fi. Yeah. yeah. Right. Wi it, it just blocks. Killer. Right. Yep. So what yeah. are the things are kind of blocking us regarding Wi-Fi signals? Uh, are you dealing with would, like high rise, which is all concrete that uh, in buildings, it's all concrete. Um, a lot of warehouses, oddly enough, uh, we see a lot of, a lot of buildings where the commercial office space is in the front building, in the back in those warehouses, uh, and then racking, tons and tons of racking that are fully stacked. So if it's like a, where they're moving around the pallets all, all day, mm. that is a big Wi-Fi blocker. So a lot of times they're putting access points down each aisle way. Oh, wow. Because uh, then they're bringing out the tech, you know, the scan, barcode scanning. So they're, they're making their uh, manufacturing or I guess distribution, whatever it is, logistics stuff a little faster. Um, but concrete, absolutely, it's, uh, it, it blocks it. But the other things we're fighting for sure are other Wi-Fi signals. We did this job a while back, and typically we didn't get involved with the Wi-Fi the wi side of things. Uh, and this, for this reason, it's actually was one of the enforcing parts where we realized that we wanted to dabble, and we should not have, okay. is we knew the principles where this access point is going to give you this much speed as long as the cable connection is this much speed. And it wasn't the case. It was like half. And I was like, what? But it was still really fast. It was like 400 megs. But they have gigabit speed. They should be getting one gig 
full of speed. Everyone should be flying on their devices. And I was standing like right underneath the device going, why am I not? We did deeper, a deeper dive. There was someone's homemade router next door that was pumping out such a strong signal that it was highly interfering with the ability for the access point I was standing under to communicate from. So this is getting into a science that I really don't know and I want to educate myself further on is... Was this a semi-detached home? It was two separate homes. Two separate homes. I don't know what that guy was doing next door, but he had the most power pumping through his access point. His Wi-Fi was so strong. You could see it. I had better bars from his than the one I was at inside the house. And those things just consume energy. They do. And they all, they're like antennas. You can turn them up and down too. So in the science of it, you you plan out where all the access points are going and you want it to like auto negotiate. Or you, if you have an expert who's trained in, in uh, Wi-Fi, they will adjust how powerful they are so they don't fight each other too much. Because if they're all turned up too high, it actually makes it worse. Yeah. So it's a, it's a bit of a science there, but so that's one of the things we're fighting as well is that. So uh, how did you guys, did you have to have a conversation with a neighbor or just, or you? You know what? I, that was just, we had to eat it. That was just a lesson learned. Um, We had a, I mean, that was just one of the things we just had to do is we said, Hey, listen, we came into this. We promised that if we're, if you have gigabit speed, you'll be able to get gigabit Wi-Fi. And it's two and two. It that promise, yeah. Sense, yeah, and it would would have worked in any conventional sake, but uh, we made that mistake of it not being. We couldn't fulfill that promise. Mm-hmm. We realized that was the fault of me, the business owner, being okay with promising that as a deliverable, and That's we had to readjust. Yeah. So we realized, okay, we can't do that. We can't promise that. What we can do is promise this is how it should work. We can't control all external factors. Do you ever get into conversations with your clients, whether they're in office environments or residential, about the signal and just being in that environment, how that is for health-wise? Because we know that we've spoken quite a bit. Yeah. Wi-Fi. And it's just, I had a client one time where they were so particular about EMF, electromagnetic fields, and they wanted to future-proof protection for that. So we had kill switches in the bedroom. So you couldn't have any network going on or signal going on while you're sleeping right which which made a lot of sense right like they wanted to do that for every bedroom um for their family and things like that but the moment that we were having it tested and they would walk out onto their front porch or their front balcony on the second floor this being in toronto signals would just go through the roof because they're right there so the only thing that's preventing you is from entering is the the build uh, the brick structure itself but it was still penetrating through the glass structure so fine you can do everything you want in your dwelling but the moment you go outside and you want to have a tablet and you want to do something some work from outside Mm -hmm. you're still in that pool but i'm assuming with commercial application business offices most of it you're recommending hardwired then terminations then you're connected but there's still going to be some points where it's wi-fi like we walk into this studio and there's wi-fi access for everybody and he's got you know they put in relays every to to boost the signal Mm -hmm. and it's funny how a lot of people get in here and their phone signal doesn't work, but then they get on the network with the Wi-Fi, then they have service and they can use it that way. So that's yeah, how that's much right, stronger yeah. they made it, but the structure itself is yeah. preventing the regular signals. So we I guess it. these are conversations that you have with clients. We do. We do. And I am no expert in this space at all, but all I know is it's, there's a lot of speculation about yeah. the health concerns related. Um, 
I would probably put myself, if, if I gave my own opinion on it, Wi-Fi related, I feel like it's pretty much safe. Like there's no data over the years that we've had Wi-Fi proving that just yet, that yeah. there's any health concerns. Um, what's the chat right now is obviously the 5G. Like everyone's talking, yeah, 5G, everyone's 5G. talking about that. Um, a part of our industry, technically part of our industry, is um, called DAS, D-A-S is that's all the cell boosters that are going into high-rise buildings, things like that. Oh. And I was having a great conversation uh, with a contractor friend of mine, and he was saying that uh, uh, he, he installed these for years. And he said, I disagree with how some of them are installed. And there's very few people who are doing these installs, and it almost makes me want to jump into that industry and because I just feel like, he brings up so many good points. Where the antennas are, the amplifiers that are pumping out the signal, because it's going to come from the roof. There's an antenna on the roof. comes down the building. goes into every all the antennas to re-send the phone signal out so that everybody has a good phone signal in the building. Otherwise, all that concrete, things like that, your cell service is going to be brutal if yeah. you're inside. Yeah. But they're putting the antennas like inside the wall next to the bedroom, and either your bed's going to be there or you think worse, like... What if this is like a baby's crib against this wall? Yeah. Right? And it's like four inches away from like a really high power antenna, like antenna amplifier. And that was kind of what he brought up is like, you don't really know, like what is the ramifications of your head being that close to an antenna that large for that much time? I don't know. There's I don't no know data the science. for that right now. No data. All I've right heard now. is that ideally you don't want to sleep with your cell phone right next to your head when you're in your bed. Yeah for the evening either put it on airplane mode like there's a bunch of like we still don't know like i know that there's a lot of radiation emitting or whatever like we don't still know all this other stuff and yeah. a lot of people don't want to use phones to their ears but then they put them in their pockets right next to their testicles right it's, yeah, so it's, it's like true. <laughs> it's true you know like well you choose your you know weapon it's, at that point right it's the world we live in i think i don't know if we can ever get away from it I think the world just naturally human nature wants to crave more and more connectivity yes and if we had glasses we could put on today and we could see all the different band waves going through the air, That'd be kind of scary. it would be blinding. Yeah. We wouldn't be able to see each other yeah. because there's so much. And it's only growing. I don't know if there's health connections to it. I'm not one to be skeptical. I'm, But long-range time, I mean, we've heard of asbestos. How much did we produce that, pump that in walls for years and then find out later? I don't know. But that's just the world we live in. But you're fighting, like you said, like people still want this connectivity, right? Yep. I just, I'm, I'm surprised sometimes. I'm sure you've driven around town and, and you're working on projects. And like I, I know of certain areas where um, uh, Dundas and Ossington area, right at the corner, there's a, there was an old Portuguese store, mom and pop shop right there. And if you look up, I think it's a three-story building and look up and there's, there's relay towers. Yeah. There's probably 10 of them on top of that roof there. Which is great for the landlord who owns that building yeah. and making pure cake renting on top it. of that. But sure. do you want to be renting that unit that's right below that? Hmm. I can only imagine what the signal is going on there. But it's just, it's funny how, and this was part of the conversation with that client, where you, you got politicians talking about how we're going to regulate this and reduce it and bring it down. But you guys will come in there or somebody else will come in there and start testing the network and you can actually do a survey. You can find out exactly where the next closest tower is to do the relay signal mm -hmm. and you start discovering it's literally down the street 
it's like because they keep on putting more and more of these in because the population is asking for this stuff we need to get signals we need to have all this network right i i would definitely lean on that i think it's all safe but anyone can say they think it's safe yeah there's no way to test long-range data it's like any industry you know long-range data is the hardest thing to collect and give definitive answers on uh but Assuming that's all safe, let's just say 10 years from now we find out, 20 years from now, no, there's no no data proving that these signals affect personal health. Then it's just, let's put as many towers up as we need to and communicate to the whole world. I just figured, I guess you can't go on the ground with it because you need the signal to be airborne. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, there's a bunch of things. And I mean, like yeah. the other day I was just noticing that there's no more bike messengers. They don't, I don't think they're around anymore. Uh, yeah. Because everybody's sending everything so quickly. Yep. So true. why would you need someone to hop on a bicycle and go down whatever 10 blocks to send a package, a document, or something like that? That's right. When it's all, so like every, everything has got to evolve. That's just how exactly. it is. And then I think what, like I'm sure your dad knows this. He comes from the days of floppy disks. And, and you're yep. talking about like what, one, one or two megabytes. That's the amount of capacity you had to store something. Exactly. Now what is it? Like I we get upset when we can't download a movie that's 200 megabytes or something. I am such a young guy. I have no idea how businesses were run back in the day. I well, that's the alternative, right, Jonathan? Yeah. You want to run the business the way the network is growing yeah. so you can build your business? Or do you want to get and send the facts? That's right. Like, I mean, like how do you want to communicate your business, exactly. right? I, I mean, he always tells me he was very proud to be one of the first to have a car phone. Yeah. He like had the battery that, and everything? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like... I don't even know, like, if I don't have, like, instant communication to my technicians in a moment, <coughs> I don't even know how I would operate my business. Because how do you, exactly, yeah. how do you communicate? And that's the other thing is that how you get clients that you can't communicate fast enough for them. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's just the world. Everybody wants everything faster. And, and uh, you know, I can't blame them. I'm definitely one of them. I look inward and go, yeah, we always want things faster. I want my internet to be faster. I want to... Get this, we're, we're in a generation where it's uh, instant gratification is just kind of the norm. I think I'm going to start, because I've always been advocating for all the trades that listen, that um, clients have this funny feeling, and I'm sure you get this too, that they feel they have access to you 24-7. They don't think that you have a family and you have your own personal life going on, so they think yeah. that after 9 to 5 or whatever, I'm going to give Jonathan a call or I'll text him. I'll, I won't call him and disturb him, but I'll text him, right? Yeah. And so I'm sure you get that, and every trace person gets that in any whatever stage of the build. And yeah. I've always said, listen, unless it's an emergency, like literally someone's on fire, that kind of emergency, then That's there's right. no reason for this, right? But I'm definitely going to be encouraging trace people to start from doing this from now on. Where if a client does that, they they kind of go off the you know the the line, right, and yeah. start you know getting into your personal space and personal time, everything like that. I would say start te- texting back, but leave it at that. So then all they see on their end are the three dots just going. And then they're just wondering, okay, so he's going to reply. He's going to reply. He's going to reply. Then they're wondering, it's a long message that he's replying because it's still going on. And then don't reply until the next day when it comes to business and leave it at that because that'll frustrate them the same way they just frustrated you. Yeah, that's funny. (laughs) I like that. Because that just came up recently. And I was like, well, you were three dotting me for a little while. And I was like, I wasn't doing anything. I'm and expecting by accident. a crazy long message. And it's just like, okay, thanks. <laughs> okay, thanks. And that was it. Oh, thanks. Good morning. Okay, thanks. And that was it, yeah. right? And leave it at that. But I just, I want more respect coming from the clients. But I guess you deal with clients like we do. Mm-hmm. It's It has to be fixed today. It has to be installed today. It has to get done yes. right now. That's our number one biggest challenge in our business right now is 
it's uh, hurry up and wait. And wow. or it's uh, they'll give us, you know, a quote or opportunity to send a quote. We send a quote. We're following up. Like any movement on this, we're trying to forecast. Like you know, I got a crew, and we want to grow. We want to keep expanding, but I need to figure out demand. Like, yeah. am I going to be really busy in the next couple of months? So I'm trying to figure out, kind of, you know, hey, Mr. Customer, is we thinking we're installing this this year, and uh, nothing, and then, but when they do reach out, it's. Can you just start next week? And it's like, okay. You have a schedule. But you do that with 100 different customers. And all of a sudden, the highs and lows of our industry go so fast. And it's like, but I I would imagine that's very similar uh, for so many trades. Um, It's it's just something that I face. And I think it's just we face maybe, and I'm speculating, we could be facing this slightly more just because we're the forgotten trade. And I say that because most of the time, it's not until like the final hour that somebody goes, oh, wait a second. You know what's missing By on the these way. plans is we don't have data. Yeah. Do we have, hey, IT guy, do we have a plan for that? Oh, no, I'm getting some quotes. And then we're getting quotes after the electricians have already started working. And, and then we're getting in there and we have like a week to turn it around because they're putting up drywall and we have to get in there before, you know, the ceiling goes in. And, and, uh, and that's just some of the, the challenges we're facing. Yeah, but like you said, I guess at the start of the show, it was completely a different landscape for your dad because of the amount of options that were out there to run and start a network in a business or in a home, right? Nowadays, it's, it's almost like you have every option to choose from. It's just a matter of budget. Yep. Then they can decide from there, right? But that's not really fair on your part because you're still running a business as well. You want to contribute the best product, mm-hmm. deliver what they're actually looking for, Yep solve all the problems that they're looking at regarding their business and their infrastructure. And when they get clients come in, workforce comes in, deliverables on what they need to achieve, how quickly they can do it. You get all this, you get the dossier for this, right? And then you turn around and you go, here's my estimate. This is based on our communication. This is what you're looking at. Here's the magic number. They look at it. Uh, There's a few too many zeros on that point. Let's start discussing about bringing it back. And that's what, yeah, which is unfortunate because I guess at that point you can start saying, well, if you want to not do this right now and just do the bare minimum, later on those zeros are going to grow because now you're going to be factoring and finishing repairs, all kinds of stuff attached to that. Right. That after it's installed, thousand dollars for that drop over there. I'm like, why is it so much? It's is that just like a mandatory? They just get oh, in and around there. You think about the labor. It's like okay, if we're already pulling cables down the hall, going to this office. Yeah. What's adding one more cable to that run? In the moment. Easy. Easy. You're basically just paying for the extra material. And Later like on? An extra 10 minutes to do some connections and then an extra 10 minutes for testing. Very little labor. Later on, we're sending a crew out. Oh, we need a scissor lift too. So now we're putting a scissor lift on that call. And uh, and then, no, uh, we have to time it around certain meetings going on. The boardroom's going to be busy at this time. So now it's a whole day event. Just get one single cable done. You got to protect the table. You got to protect the flooring. The chairs you got to protect everything i love uh in that uh, round table you guys had with the electricians they talked about like standardized pricing things yep. like that that is one thing that we've actually moved away from but we're trying to figure out how to implement it back because people always ask and the industry was very common saying, what's your per drop rate like how much does it cost per cable but we found it so it varies so much it's like okay if you tell me to come in and do two two cables the cost is gonna be a lot per drop because yeah. you, you have to roll the truck you know Set up all of that. There's fees there. It takes the same amount of time as if I was doing four, basically. It would just add a bit more time, just a little bit more time yeah. for cables. So that changes the rate. 
a lot of times data is run with multiple cables to the same location. You know, you might have two to four cables at a workstation, depending on what that person's doing. A front desk person needs a POS system for their card transaction and yeah. their workstation and their printer. And those four jobs going to the same location, same labor, just, just changing the material amount of, that you're actually pulling in. So if somebody says, what's your per drop rate? The concrete aggregates and construction industry is always evolving. With an ever-changing industry, it's crucial to stay up to date on the latest technology and techniques. Come to the Canadian Concrete Expo to keep your skills sharp and upgrade your knowledge to meet the needs of today's market. The Canadian Concrete Expo offers over 40 conference sessions, certification courses, stage presentations, and live large equipment demos all in one convenient location. February 14th and 15th at the International Centre in Toronto. If you haven't looked it up yet, go to the CanadianConcreteExpo.com and sign up for the newsletter to get special show offers direct to your inbox. You expose yourself to be really, really in trouble financially because you say, well, it's this because you naturally am optimistic. I mean, I am. I'm going to be like, oh, you know, 200 to drop. Yep. And they're like, okay, great. But then, you know, it's a single drop in two di- all different corners of the warehouse and you're like, Wait a second, that's going to take way longer than I thought. So you got to get more specific at that point. Exactly. Explain it. So, I mean, I guess they're playing. It's, it's the same thing with electricians with recessed lighting. Yeah. Where, yeah. you know, like they have a set price for each fixture, and then clients will turn around and say, well, I get the, under, the understanding on the first one, but then you're just dazing Fixture the next takes, one. Yeah. That should not cost the same. I go, well, then fine, you wire it. I love, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, exactly. I, right? I think. I think we need to, at least me, I need to grow a bit more of a backbone somehow to like standardize. But uh, was it like that with your dad when he, it was the same thing, I guess it would have been or. I would imagine he would have faced very similar challenges. Probably. I think the industry was so focused on every desk, probably when he started out, uh, was more focused on every desk got a handset phone on it. That was a business operated with a, de- a phone on every desk. Well, that was sales. That yeah, was yeah. exactly. So that was, I think it was so critical in the business mindset and the consuming mindset that it was probably well thought through ahead of time, things like that. I don't know if you worked on a, uh, like a per drop rate or, or not. I would be interested to ask. But mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. So, I mean, as a business owner, you just have to keep on learning your lessons like the hard knocks way that you were mentioning. That's, that's what I'm learning in there. And I'm, I'm sure that you've gone into structures like you're still discovering new structures and new ways of handling what's going on. Right. Yeah. But then you're, how is the world? So I know you mentioned it a tiny bit. How is it like, you're getting a lot of monkeys that just don't care. And they're just running all these cables. Yeah. They don't care where they're running them. They, you seem, you're probably seeing situations where you know that cable is going to get damaged over time because maybe it's, yeah. it's right against a heat source or something. Mm-hmm. And so now you're just melting the sheathing, which is, it's not just the exterior sheathing of the cable itself. It's individual sheathing of each yep. component, right? Exactly. So then like, how do you address that? How you like, you, that, that's you discovering stuff behind the wall where it's all invisible to you at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you go in and all of a sudden you're like, okay, I quoted you this, but now I've got to discuss everything and figure out a new run for this, right? That's right. Uh, definitely didn't make it easy on ourselves because we really do everything from a service call all the way to really large construction. Um, but we treat everything a little differently. But in some of our mid-sized projects, a lot of times we'll provide a quote. And uh, we have a lot of really good relationships with IT companies because they like to be the brains behind it. They are the car drivers we build the roads from. So yeah. they'll bring us in and say, hey, 
you know, this is our new client. They're moving offices. Here's their build, whatever we build it out from. Um, yeah, the, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> about the sheathing, about just the, the oh. cowboys going out there and then they're just running things the way they want to run because I guess they priced it $200. They just got that done. That's and right. Like, For us to make money, you got to run it I, the yeah. I don't care way. Exactly. So for those customers, we'll quote it, sometimes sight unseen. Because a lot of it's times risky, we already no? have a relationship. Okay. All right. But when we go in, we're trying to implement processes and procedures for our team. When they get there, if they don't have a clear plan of install, they make it. And if they're going, hey, we quoted this to be done in a week. Mm. And I'm thinking this is going to need at least a week and a half. We immediately hit the pause button. Because if you get ahead of it then, you say, okay, you know what, Mr. Customer, this has a lot of concrete walls. We're using our SDS drill. We're pump, pumping through yeah. a lot yeah. to be able to build this out. Uh, this is going to add a lot of my extra labor. Or even just environment, J-hooks, things like that, cable, uh, like cable support, hardware. Uh, we show up, and sometimes it's not what we think it is. And then that's where a lot of intuitive decision-making has to be made because – do we go back to the customer and have that awkward conversation? Or do we say, you know what? I think we're going to be okay. We're going to be close. It's going to look really good that we got in and out and made it simple. And one thing I've learned just recently from doing uh, a coaching thing I did was uh, consumers, the majority of the time are hiring for convenience, not for price or quality. I was shocked by that because I'm finding a lot of the times when it comes down to it, if the prices are close together, if they got two quotes, for example, the reason why they're going to choose someone is because it would typically be, well, we've worked with them before. Yeah, It's that ease of, I know what this transaction is going to look like. I know there's not going to be challenges and change orders and whatnot. Or there's, they just understand the communication flow. If that becomes my, the main selling point, saying, hey, this is how we're going to make it really easy for you. That's what they're going to also use you again. Yeah. So that's where you have to weigh out saying, okay, you know what, how do I hit them with the fifth change order here or do I find a way to absorb it or bundle it or whatnot? So that way we are still hold that reputation in their eyes as one of the easiest, smoothest to work with. And you know, when they got the next one going, they're going to call us. They will. But the thing is that you, you have to weigh the, um, if the client is going to slightly take advantage of the situation mm -hmm. where it's like yep. that whole, since you're already here, can you just drop one more run and you want to be a good person to just help them out. So you drop that. But before yeah. you realize that you're running a business and you just calculated that there was an extra five drops that I didn't really yeah. price. We did it. We ate the cost. We're hoping that we'll get a future job with them, but they're playing that they're navigating that game, which is yeah. fine. But yeah, the thing is that they also have to be fair about, like when you guys get called back and I know that trades, I've seen this before where they get the call back for it mm -hmm. and then they submit a price and now it's, it's higher than what they did because now they're anticipating this client to go down the same path, mm -hmm. but I'm going to charge you accordingly. So then all of a sudden now you're back onto competing yeah. and they're going to get another price. Right. So it's just, it's a funny world to, and you only learn it as you go. So my experience has been, yeah, you, you pump the brakes, you just stop and you have the conversation at that point. They're already, you're in there working, you're doing the work, you're doing a good job, you're delivering on what you said you're going to do. Um, then just be professional about it and go to them and go, listen, my sc scope, my quote has all this 
and I'm moving forward and this is what I want to do. But now you guys are modifying, you're changing this, you're adding stuff, which is totally fine. You can do as much as you want. Yeah. I just want to be prepared for it. But then also here's the extra number that's attached to it. You, you got it. I, we have a really good relationship with a lot of our customers. And one thing that we've had to do, and, and I've been building this into my training with some of our project managers, is that you need to have good decision-making or intuitive decision-making around how you handle change orders. Yeah. Because if you are highly valued by the customer, because we have a great relationship, you know that like you've done tons of projects with, projects with them before, they're going to pay their bills. And they say, oh, you know what? We need to add four more cables into a project that maybe had 100 cables. Add four more cables. We need to communicate that. But do we need to like do a full stop work? Let's get a quote and confirm this before we do it. Yeah. And that's where the PM has to go. Go ahead, do it. Like just signs off on it right away, basically. And then we either take measures either. Do you get a like, do you send a text? Do you send an email? Just have a in, in writing. Yeah. So the, and then do you need the price listed in the email or is it can, can it just be, hey, I saw you ask for four more cables. I'm just going to add that to the, the change order. A lot of time I'm like, yeah, all good. It's pretty much it. I think that you don't be afraid for saying those two words. Mm-hmm. I think that you actually just saying, okay, no problem at all, and return the email, and just the subject heading gets changed to change order, yeah, updated change order, and then you just go right. I just find it interesting that you're you're talking about the coaching thing, how they're more interested in, in the the convenience and I guess the relationship of the trade instead mm-hmm. of the price itself. But I just think in today's climate. You guys are an afterthought. Home automation is an afterthought. A lot of these extra comfort feature features in a home mm-hmm. um, are always afterthoughts, but they want them. They're definitely on their grocery list, mm-hmm. but they want to spend the time renegotiating the price or try to figure out who can. And you've yeah. you heard this all the time where the clients will come in and go, listen, we'll run the wires. You guys take care of the terminations, yep, totally. which is like, okay, fine. So now you're not respecting the trade. And that's a client that I think that, that's part of your vetting process. You should start to learn that that client is not respectful of your trade or your skill or what you bring to the table. And they've seen way too many YouTube videos and they think that they can get it done or find someone else that can do it for far cheaper. That's the right client you want to work with? Not necessarily, but that's... That's exactly it. Yeah. So we're at a stage in our business. Like when I started, I mentioned I was a solopreneur. Yeah. We've been planning, like we've been growing and our reputation's there and we got enough projects of various scopes under our belt that there's not much I can drop into our lap that we're going to build not look competent in doing. Yeah. And I was asking, I was talking to the other guys in the, in the industry is like, what's next for us? Where do we grow? How do we push further into certain markets? And I was asking about like the large construction, you're talking about hospitals and, and municipality buildings, things like that, where there is really big money moving in those projects. And I was asking like, is that where we push into next? But there's this stigma out there right now about that. that it's always a race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. That is a true numbers game. The good news is, is that it's going to have an RCDD on staff somewhere who is going to make sure it's done to the highest quality, which is great. So everyone's apples to apples, which is yeah. good. But it's, it is going to be a race to the bottom. They don't always choose the very bottom. Maybe they check, you know, do the second lowest as like a safety measure, not going to get blindsided by lack of quality or something like that. But uh, is that the client? You ask that question. Is, yeah. is that the client you want to work for? Is that going to be the one who values what you build your reputation on, which is ours is like, you know, stunning quality on the rack side where we are the IT guy's best friend. 
And we mailed the infrastructure that makes the IT guy look great. Is that it's, it's user-friendly. It's not just like we pulled all the cable and just terminated and walked away. Sure, we did our job, but did we just leave it very challenging for the IT guy to do all the interconnections and things like that? Or do we, you know, build out our rack designs? Uh, we call it rack designs in a way where, yeah, sure, it takes a little bit longer. It's a little more finesse game, but we make it look like art. And we give it to them as a polished product so that way the IT team is not going to have a spaghetti mess on their hands. I think that um, a lot of tradespeople leave money on the table hmm. when they don't continue to nurture existing clients or past clients. So true. Right? Guilty so of it. I, I think that their their goal is so driven that they just want to get the next client, the next lead, the next opportunity, yeah. but they keep forgetting about the past and where they came from and how they got to where they are right now. Yeah. And I've always been aware of, and this is something that I learned way back when I, I would have meetings with more than one person when you're coming into a room and you're being introduced to, let's say for argument's sake, four or five different people. You don't necessarily know who the top dog is at that point, but through the conversation as it unfolds, yeah. you quickly realize who the top dog is. But I'm not interested in the top dog. I'm interested in the second in command because the second in command is interested in being the top dog one day, whether at that business or any new business. Mm -hmm. So if you can leave a lasting uh, uh, lasting impression yep. to the top dog, but don't ignore the second in command, yeah. and all of a sudden still keep that in the back of your head going, okay, a year from now, we did that job, is great. Send up a follow-up email and going, listen, how's everything going? We just read about this so service. True. This is something that's new that's coming down the pipe. Would you guys be interested in doing this? That might get you some work, which is the money that's left on the table. But then also, you know what? Can you please say hello to second in command? How's he doing? Mm. Maybe some like that whole Rockefeller kind of handshake. Never talked about business. You talked about family. How's yeah. your family doing? How's your son yeah. doing? Where are they studying? Where are they going? And then you kind of bring up a little note about that. Then they start thinking, well, this guy is connecting with me. And they're interested in our network. But they're also interested in us as individuals. And then at that point, they, they might say, well, you know, so-and-so, he left us and he's with so-and-so. There's an opportunity right there for a cold lead I, that's going to turn into a hot lead, right? It's happened. Yeah. It's exactly, but I definitely couldn't emphasize what you were saying enough. Like, we need to do that more in, in our business. I feel like most people relate, we get so busy, right? We get so busy doing so many different things that it's like, I, I don't have time to do some of the small finesse well, we work. We spend so much time and effort, Jonathan, on exactly nurturing that first client yeah and i'm talking about like we do get some nice clients like good clients clients that actually respect our trade yep. respect what we bring to the table and they're going to speak highly about you and then you'll get a refer out of nowhere and it could also be a job that you didn't get maybe the, the numbers weren't right mm -hmm. it doesn't stop you from just sending out sure. another follow-up a year from it's now true. going how are you doing and maybe the company that they hired messed up or maybe yeah. their network is messing up and then they're trying to figure it out, but they may have forgotten about you, lost yeah. your email or what have you. And now you come out of the woodwork going, hey, how's everything going? And they're like, this is perfect. This is karma. This is the universe perfect is telling timing. us. And now they touch base with you and start having a conversation. You know what? Since yeah. I've got you on the phone, whatever. And then why don't you come by? We're doing this now. We've expanded. We're growing. Every business I know is always trying to advance. Whether it's us as tradespeople, but the service that we provide for these other businesses, mm -hmm. they're always trying to, I don't know about a single business that's like trying to recede and go, yeah. oh, you know, we're shutting everything down. We're just going to shut it down. Like I don't, everyone's trying to grow. Yep. So if they're trying to grow, then they're coming up with new ideas for their own business, mm -hmm. which might affect you where you can offer more services now to them. Right. That's right. Yeah. 
So the, I think that the younger generation has a better grasp of that instead of us older guys, like not you, me, yeah. and your dad and things like that. We probably don't look at that opportunity as much. We were most likely like, okay, I got one client. I did one job for them, and that's it. I walked away, and I was done. It's missed, man. It's a missed opportunity. I'm going to go go back and uh, <laughs> pull up my email list. No, there's just, there's always, I think there's always opportunities <laughs> yeah. where you can kind of come up and try to figure out, like, okay, where did the conversation end? Yeah. What was the last thing that was communicated so between important. us, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just, I'm curious about that, how guys are always worried about during the slow times, yep. right? And I don't think your industry, you guys necessarily have a slow time. I think there's yeah. periods of time, but I don't think your business is seasonal. I think that you guys, there's always opportunity there annually yeah. through the seasons through fluctuates a little bit it's a little slower during the summer but, but not as dramatic no. as everything else right no. that's the thing about it so it's just like why not look back and reevaluate your business and figure out okay who was i yeah. talking to yep. and who can i talk to again who can i drop a line again with right that is yeah powerful stuff it's true i definitely getting that rhythm is right i think you had uh uh what was it was it ted on a couple podcasts ago ted was it Ted? Ted? I apologize. I don't know. I don't remember the names. One of the guys. Who was, was he talking about? Like business in general. A lot of this stuff. And he was mentioning Tom. Um, Tom. Tom Reber. Yeah, Tom. Uh, he dropped tons of good stuff yeah, in that great podcast. Stuff. I know. And I, I uh, to one of the points he had was, was like a rhythm. It's like if you don't yep. schedule that time in, it doesn't get done. Yeah. Business owners, a lot of times... They are firefighting. They're in a reactive state. It gets yep. easy to get stuck in that. Yeah. And if you don't designate that time to do those things, it doesn't get done. Well, like to your point where you got started, and all of a sudden you started realizing your, your calendar, your schedule, everything was full. And then yep. before you know it, the week's gone, the month's gone, yeah. six months into the year's gone. And all you've done is you've Did been you reactive to all the work that you've been doing, but you haven't been proactive on the future of your business. Exactly. I walked away from that podcast and went, all right, I'm opening up my sheet and reassessing what my year's goals are and uh if you don't make that a priority if you don't follow that plan as okay what are where do i want to be 12 months from now or six months from now or three three months from now what are the big things i want to be implementing if you don't get specific about it you're not gonna you're not gonna achieve it like i just i think that you should no different than how you schedule it in us trades everybody schedules jobs you coming in like you have a scope of work you have a okay you've got your 11 employees you got your crews yeah you're giving them, here's the grocery, here's the job, go take care of it. Here's all the material you need to get the job done, take care of it, represent the company well, and do a great job and leave a lasting impression. You're doing all that. It's the same way. You should be doing it for your own business. Exactly. Where you sit down and you go, you're telling yourself, listen, Saturday, Sunday, whatever, Friday afternoon, you pick a time. Maybe yep. it should be like right in the middle of your monotonous week or something like that. Maybe like you just like shut down the work week yep. and disappear for two hours and you go, listen, for the next solid two hours, I'm coming up with the top five things that I need to figure out that's going to expand my business is number one, looking back at the past and speaking to clients. Sure. Number two, is it what new clients can we attract? What new services can we provide? Like you should just come like it's that's what I got from Tom as well. And other people that have been on the show, it's like your, your wheels are constantly spinning, right? They have to be. Otherwise you're not going to be prepared for when things, when you need things to be moving. Right. So it's like, we always, we always say that we're busy until then we're completely dead. And then you're wondering, why are we dead? Yeah. Well, you're dead because you didn't spend the time to actually start to grow on so paper. True. Right? In self-reflection, I, I have three kids. Uh, six-year-old and twin girls that are oh, three. Oh, wow. You're busy. Young, young <laughs> ones. And it is busy. Yeah. 
But one of the things that I've learned in my entrepreneurial journey and being a father was uh, prior to the kids coming, you know, I'd be working 16-hour days yep. plus. That's typical. And just hustling, wearing multi- multiple hats, the to-do list always kept growing. For every three you put on there, you get two done. Uh, it's just that was the norm. And I was like, okay, you know, that's challenging. And then I went down to uh, to very few hours where I was working six at when the, the twins were born. Yeah. I was pulling triple shift duty, trying to help with the kids and things like that. And I went down to like six. And I had, at that time, I had enough admin staff to really support, which I was super appreciative of. But the feeling never changed. I still had for every three things that went on, two got done. Yeah. And, and then when things opened up, they started getting a bit older and I could add more hours to my workday again. Nothing really changed. The to-do list, three went on, two got off. And the, the to-do list always grew and there's always something more to do. Yeah. And if you're any, any bit wired like I am, maybe A to D in that there's always so many things you want to do. You're, you're always going to have that list and you're always going to feel like you never get it all done. And I've found if you don't get intentional about putting the things legitly in your calendar, I'm going to call these customers at this time on a Wednesday morning. You'll, you'll always be reactive back to the to-do list. Let me ask you this, Jonathan, and be honest, because I'll be honest Please. too, because I'll ask the same question as well. Out of that 16-hour day that you're hustling and working, how many of those hours were you actually creating production? Hmm. Because in my opinion, I think that half of it is you wasting time trying to figure out how to be more efficient or try to figure out everything but doing what you needed to get done. That's right. So it's like a 16-hour day is actually an eight-hour day. like the work will take as long as the time you give it. What's that rule? Yeah. So if you allocate a certain amount of time and you do that task, you'll get it done. But if you give yourself the whole day to take care of that task, you'll take the whole day. It will take the whole day. It is. That's a waste of time. So you're not not being productive at that point. And I think that every trace person goes through that. They come up with ways to, to avoid getting everything properly done. So I think the more that you could stop everything and calendar it and put it, I go, listen, Wednesday afternoon from one to three. Yep. Phone is off, and I'm just focusing on how to progress my company, my business, my brand. Absolutely. And your staff knows it. You let them know. I go, yep. guys, I'm out of tune. I'm not. I'm on a plane. Okay. I'm in the middle of nowhere. You can't reach I'm me. Not so accessible. I'm back at three o one. I'm back. Yeah. Right. But I'm gone it. at one o'clock. I'm That's gone. Great. And I think that if you did that every single week, then you're two hours ahead of your competition. Yeah. Every single week, compound that every month, eight hours exactly. a month. Then you'll start improving it quite a bit, right? Like I'm preaching to myself. It's the same no, thing. I, I, I have to tell fully, myself that. Yeah, fully. I, I I'm a big believer. So you know those uh, those videos you see, and it's like those motivational speakers. Yeah, and they're yeah. always like, "Sleep, you don't need sleep," <laughs> and it's and they get me fired up. Yes, I you love do them. need sleep, but <laughs> it's, it's such a wrong impression. I mean, there is times you're gonna hustle. Everyone's gonna. Everyone knows they've been through those stages. If you're in the trades, there is seasons yeah. where you hustle hard. Yeah, and then you, you're gonna need like. Definitely to back off for a little while to re-catch your breath. But I, I think what's not spoken enough about business success and entrepreneur success is that it's the people doing a little bit every day. Yeah. That's the hard work, to be honest. It's, the hard work is actually being disciplined to do a little bit every day. That's the hard part. Not when the emotion hits and you're like, I really want to work out right now. And then you go and you crush four hours at the gym and then you can't walk for three days. Uh, it's 
the people who go every day, doing a little bit and got that rhythm, those are the people you find on the top of the success list. Yep. Those are the ones who actually get results because it compounds and Tortoise compounds in the hair. and compounds. Like you just, just like I, I, I hear about all the time. Like, like I had no time to go to the gym. I got no time to eat healthy. I got mm -hmm. no time to do this. I've got to do this. I got to do all that stuff. You're just giving yourself excuses. That's all you're doing, yep. right? And myself included. I mean, oh, me too. I'm preaching learn, to right? myself as well. I'm yeah. still trying to figure out that right balance. To your question, and you mentioned, uh, you know, how much are you productive? I have found a huge success factor is what you choose to do in the morning. Yeah. Because in the afternoon, it just Sets goes. Tone. Yeah. And your best brain hours are in the morning. morning. I don't know about anyone else, but like you get to that 2 p.m. on your brain productivity starts to really drop. Yep, and, I agree with you. And uh, I, everyone's different. I mean, those are guys who like, they don't seem to ever need a cup of coffee. I'm a guy who's like, I need five in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> just to keep the, the afternoon exactly. going, just so you can make the day, right? I could confidently say from noon to like 10 p.m., the amount of work I would get done, I guess 10 hours, yeah. would be the same amount as I got in the first three, four hours of my day. So pick your tasks like, and figure out what the most important things are. Put them in the morning. And the people's optimism too. And this is a little bit of a side note, but like, if you're talking to clients, getting together with clients, everyone's happier in the morning. Mm. Meet them before noon. Mm -hmm. That's what some of the best times to get them on the phone. My irritating thing is that because I get up at four in the morning, right? So, yeah. and it's just, I'm stuck with that. That's just yeah. how it is. Even on Saturdays and Sundays, it's you just. Can't. So your internal clock, eh? Yeah, oh, I okay. can't. I can't. I've been doing it long enough that I just, that's how it is, right? But I'm, I'm getting in Busting bed by 1030, right? So like you, you get gone are the days of and like recently I was past midnight. It was not a good thing. And I'm yeah. thanking Jason for that and the cigar get together that we had, but yeah. uh, he listened. So I, I think that once you get into that mindset, the problem I have is that you're up at four in the morning and you're getting so much done four to five, five to six, six to seven, and then seven to eight. And you're still at eight o'clock and you're like, can I text the clients now? Because you're thinking, you know that they're not up at four in the morning. Yeah, that's right. So now you want to start a communication. So the, the other thing that you do is you send out emails because, but then they'll get pinged on it, right? And then mm -hmm. they'll be like, you sent me an email at 3.30 or 4.30 yeah. in the morning. And you're like, well, yeah. 5 a.m. yeah. I was sleeping and it kind of woke me up. I'm like, I'm sorry about that, but okay, let's get the ball rolling at that point. But yeah, yeah. I think if it, most tradespeople see the value of that, that extra two, three hours in the morning, mm -hmm. they're going to see a huge value in the back of the day. Yep. You'll get a lot done, right? Yeah, sure. It means you got to go to bed early, but... Absolutely. I think it works better for us, right? I think we covered quite a bit, Jonathan. Yeah. Is there anything that we missed or anything you want to share before I get to the 12 questions? Uh, no, hit it. I think that's it. Okay, so Jonathan running here, running gear at Cables and runningcables.com. Reach them at 905-932-2253. Uh, Jay running at runningcables.com and all over social media, running cables. You're on all the platforms, eh? Are you on uh, all the platforms? Instagram's the number one. We, we really try to post... Uh, at one point, we were posting most every day. Wow. Um, we're just trying to show organically what we do, and uh, like I like we said, we're building our brand off of cable art. Like so, so we try to show so that off and inspire. Like We've been inspired in the industry. Anybody, great yeah. guys out there, and uh, we're trying to do the same. Uh, what everyday sound brings you joy? Sorry, ask again. <laughs> what everyday sound brings you joy? Ooh. Probably a coffee machine. Coffee machine? <laughs> Just it brewing? It brewing. What is your favorite beverage? <laughs> oh, well, I would actually say water, believe it or not. Water? Yeah. 
Okay. What's I your know, that's a weird one. What's your least favorite tool? <laughs> the hammer. The hammer. What turns you on creatively? Uh, Excel. Excel spreadsheet? Yeah. An organized Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. I, I really like building things in Excel tools. Most of my uh, tools that most of my staff use is souped up Excel sheets with different formulas and buttons they can click. I, I entered it on that. I get as far as auto sum. That's exactly what yeah. as far as I get, man. <laughs> what word or concept do you find overused these days? Oh, there's got to be a lot in your industry. Uh, overused. Anybody can pull cable. Something like that. It's such a stupid mind. Like, I don't... I don't know. I get. I feel for the painters as well too, because they get kind yeah. of the short end of the stick as well. It's true. Um, I, get, I guess anything that's DIY-ish on video or whatever YouTube, it's been yeah. taught. It's like, okay, this is easy. We can do it. Let's save the money. Yeah, you guys are just basically creating a perfect storm of trouble at that point, right? Mm -hmm. Favorite curse word? I don't curse. To be you don't honest. curse. You yeah. don't curse. Don't worry. Don't worry. We could pass that one. <laughs> Favorite vehicle in the world? Anything? Any mode of transportation? I'm definitely going to make a lot of haters in this and lovers out of this, but uh, I like my Teslas. They're cool. They're Listen, whatever you, all of them? I think they're all pretty awesome. Did you get deposit on the Cybertruck? I had, I don't even own one, to be honest. I love them, but I don't own one. I, no? I just one drove day. one one time, and I was like, that is, that's like a rocket ship. I like it. Nice. Uh, what do you miss from your childhood? Hmm. Oh, you heard Creative. all the hate from the electricians. That's why most electricians don't like EVs. I find because of the infrastructure. That's that is that's, that's a big the, topic. That's the big problem. That is true. Right. Uh, so there's a definitely a love hate. Like you don't casually like EV cars. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know you. Either mean. you like them or you don't. But like it's not them. so much that the dislike of the vehicle. It's the dislike of the what's connected to the vehicle. Yeah. Because it's making their lives a lot more it's challenging. The structure aspect. Yes. Or you're just a hardcore car lover, and it's like. It doesn't sound and feel the same. And they're like, I, I sit around the table uh, just last week, guys who were talking about their cars and their V8s and 12s and like the sound and how epic their cars are. And, I, and I'm just not a car guy. Uh, and I was like, this is really brave of me, but I like Tesla. And, like, sure that, right? and the whole table just <laughs> went, I was like, oh, guys, I need to leave. <laughs> uh, sorry, yeah, um, that, yeah, that was the favorite vehicle. That's right. oh, what do you miss from your childhood? Mm. I think just creative play, building things, playing outside. Not a worry. Yeah. Not a worry. What term or phrase resonates with the core of who you are? Better every day. If you could master a skill outside of your expertise, what would it be? Ooh. Anything else you want to try to pull off? fascinated by M&A, like yeah. the whole art of mergers and acquisitions, I think. Uh, but that's just me trying to build my own experience you're in business. Build, and business, yeah. I think uh, you really, really know business. There's an art. really good at that. There's an yeah. art to it. Uh, if you could speak to a historical figure, who would it be? What would you ask? Ooh. I don't know how nerdy this is, but probably like, Abe Lincoln or something like that. If I could have like a mastermind group of 
and he's at the table, I, that would be a Just wicked not at the guy theater, to huh? ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, any leadership question, basically, because leadership is so tied to business and and. I just, from what I've read of history in him, that's a pretty epic leader. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Last question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Well done. I do want to just make a little footnote. I think um, recently someone brought up to attention to me that I had John uh, Durban on the show and I asked him the questions and historical figure and he brought up Edison, not Edison, sorry, Einstein, because mm. he wanted to ask him about his light bulbs. And I'm like, it's Edison. Edison. But I also yeah. agreed with him as well, too. So then it's like it made a, a slight error on that. So I'm just making a little correction. That's all. Yeah. Because somebody brought it up to me. So I'm just yeah. bringing up a correction here. That's it, Jonathan. I really appreciate your time, man, coming out. And I'm glad that Thanks Kim connected invite. us and uh, put us together. And, and all, I wish you all the best in fighting the fight, the good fight of uh, running cables there for your clients, right? Appreciate it. I guess half your Love job is educating. That's it. You nailed it. Whether you're educating the clients, you're educating the industry, or you're educating your staff that's coming into the game. Nailed it, yep. Because they have to, I guess you get new minds coming into the game, and they don't yep. really understand the full scope of what you guys do, right? But then exactly. they quickly grasp that. And there's not enough training out there. No. So we do a lot in house. You nailed it. You have to, right? So, appreciate it. One more Thank time, you. Running Cables and runningcables.com. You can call them at 905-932-2253. And you can reach his email at jrunning at runningcables.com and all over social media, Running Cables. That's it, man. Thank you so much. Thank Love you. The show. We're out of here, Angelina.